This is the FCB Podcast Network. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand for things for liberty. And they fought so we would be America, land of the Hello and welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. In this episode, we will continue to learn about the different branches of government by diving into the judicial branch with one of the best guests around, my friend, Judge Don Willett. I'm Don Willett. I'm a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. As a judge, you know the judicial branch pretty well. What does the judicial branch do? What is their role in the government? Um, well, judges like me and courts like I serve on, we basically decide who is guilty and who's not guilty if a crime has been committed. And we decide maybe who is liable or who is not liable if somebody committed a wrong against somebody else. Um, We also decide whether what government is doing is constitutional or not, whether it complies with kind of our supreme law of the land. So that's really what judges do. We wear these black robes and sit up on this bench and we have all this snooty, (laughs) <laughs> all these snooty Latin phrases and legalese, but we uh, our goal, unlike the political branches, the other two branches, the executive branch, the legislative branch, they're the so-called political branches, and they're elected. And judges are meant to be even-handed. We're meant to be impartial. We're not supposed to follow you know popular opinion. We're supposed to be independent, high-minded and just sort of do what the law requires us to do without favoring anybody, um, without any thought to what the consequences or the public reaction might be. So again, in criminal cases, did this person do or not do what they're accused of? In a civil case, um, is this person responsible for something that happened to somebody else? And also we try to figure out whether what government is doing complies with the Constitution. Yes, we've definitely talked a lot about the Constitution, and we just learned about the legislative branch in the last episode, so we can see now how they pass the laws, and then it's up to the judicial branch to figure out how it all works in specific cases. Would that be a good way to to describe that? Yeah, that's perfect. So, you know, lawmakers, they pass laws, and the president um, sort of executes or implements the law um, and the judges, we decide whether the other two branches are doing things correctly within kind of the guardrails that are put forward by the Constitution. All right. So we've been talking a lot. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about checks and balances. And it sounds like maybe when you just then you were talking a little bit about a check to make sure that they were doing things correctly. So how does the judicial branch, how can they check the other two? Um, Well, one way we can check the other two branches, we can declare something unconstitutional, which I've done a few times. And it's a really 
It's a really solemn, serious responsibility. We don't take it lightly, but sometimes the executive branch or the legislative branch, they may take a shortcut or they may not check a box or they may stumble in some fashion. But it's up to us to say, no, what you do has to comply uh, with the Constitution. So I've written judicial opinions that declare actions that the other branches have taken. I've declared those actions unconstitutional sometimes and urged them to go back and maybe try again. Mm -hmm. um, but the framers, you know, when they gathered in Philadelphia way back when, they, they didn't tinker. They didn't sort of fiddle around the edges or nibble incrementally. They really upended things. This was an era of kings and sultans around the globe. And the Constitution they put together, um, it really did unveil this revolutionary design, these three separate, independent, co-equal branches of government uh, that are really sort of locked in this synchronous orbit, right? So I've always joked that I think um, Isaac Newton should be an honorary founding father. And I get that he was British and he died even before James Madison, the father of the Constitution, was even born. But our Constitution has this incredible Newtonian genius to it, these three separate independent branches that are kind of locked in orbit, yeah. synchronous orbit, and they're held there by competing interests. I mean, James Madison... Um, you know, again, known as the father of the Constitution, um, it was a really ingenious design he and the other framers came up with. Yeah. But it's rooted in that these branches are each going to be ambitious and they're each going to flex and maybe try to seize power that is not rightly theirs. And if the judiciary overreaches, the other two are expected to kind of push back and guard their respective prerogatives, but he thought that every branch would be ambitious and jealous of their own respective kind of responsibility and sphere. And when another branch is sort of invades, um, you know, their space, uh, the thinking was they would push back and resist. And that is what sort of keeps that synchronous orbit intact. Um, so what can those other two branches do when if, if they think the legislative branch is going too far? How can they check them back? Well, a president, if he doesn't like what the legislative branch has passed, he can simply veto it mm -hmm. and say, no, he has a unilateral um, individual right to veto whatever lawmakers do. Mm -hmm. um, and then lawmakers can try if they can muster the votes to override that veto, um, which is a pretty high hurdle. Again, the judiciary, we can declare something, even if, get, even if it gets past the legislature, it gets past, you know, the president. The president signs the bill, mm -hmm. it becomes law, but that's not the end of it. Um, people may say, hey, this law, it may have passed, but it doesn't pass muster. It doesn't honor the Constitution. And judges like me get to decide whether something is constitutional or not. Mm -hmm. So every branch, 
has unique ways that it can kind of push back and check the power of the other branches. The framers were really nervous about concentrated power. Yep, with good reason. To, <laughs> that's right. They chose to separate power so that not one branch becomes too overwhelmingly powerful, where they can kind of dictate how the country runs all by themselves. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how the laws get made and then come to the you know judiciary. But what happens if the judges, if they think a law is kind of silly or if maybe it's not constitutional, but they think it's a really good law. Instead, they like what it does. Does that ever happen where your opinion just isn't the way it's going to go? <laughs> um, yeah, there are a lot of votes that I cast that are really like a punch in the stomach where I really wish I could vote the other way because I might prefer the outcome to be different. But, you know, the oath that I took requires me not to put any kind of finger on the scale, not to put my finger in the wind, not to try to imagine how the public might respond to a vote that I cast or an opinion that I write. Um, my my paramount duty is to the Constitution. The oath that I swore is to uphold the laws and the Constitution of the nation. And even if that means I cast a vote that I may not like, I cast a lot of votes I don't like, mm -hmm. um, or my personal preference might run the other way. But judges are duty-bound, honor-bound, to vote the way the law requires without any thought to whether that makes them happy or sad. Yep, yep. That's the way it has to be to to stay fair. And we've we've talked about um, you know, about that a lot through the the framing of the Constitution. So we just talked about James Madison and going back even further. Um, who are some of the people who have influenced you to to want to be a judge and to to do a good job to uphold that legacy of the Constitution? Um this is kind of a longer answer and it kind of goes back to just kind of my personal journey and story mm -hmm. so neither of my parents finished high school and i was adopted shortly after birth mm -hmm. and my father passed away really young he was 40 i was six years old my mom without a high school diploma just did what a lot of heroic mothers do what probably many of the moms of of the children listening to this podcast did. You know, she worked her heart out and she sacrificed uh, to support her family, my sister and me. My mom waited tables for 55 years. She was a waitress, mostly at the local truck stop that ran along the interstate. So I'm the first in my family to kind of venture off beyond small town life and, and finish high school and college. So it's really kind of, given me this profound sense of, of gratitude. And it really kind of kindled in me this desire um, to kind of pour myself out in public service. So I've been a lawyer now for 30 years, but only two and a half of that was in private law practice. The rest has all been in public service. So I've really been fortunate. I've been able to work for um, a Texas attorney general, a Texas governor, a U.S. attorney general, the president of the United States for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I was on the Texas Supreme Court. I was a, a state Supreme Court justice for a dozen years before I became a federal court of appeals judge. Mm 
So it is a it's a life of of public service that I've lived, and it's really been spurred by this really deep and rich sense of of gratitude I have. I'm extravagantly fortunate, extravagantly blessed. And um, I don't think I'm cut out for the hurly burly of the political branches, um, kind of the hyper partisan us versus them um, approach of the Congress or the executive branch. Um, judging kind of strikes me as a really noble enterprise. Um, it's just about fulfilling a sworn legal duty. It's not about ramming or jamming or cramming through your preferred um, policy or personal agenda. Yeah. It's just about getting the law right and making sure people honor the Constitution. And it just struck me judging is a, is a noble um, way to serve. And um, it's high-minded and it's good-hearted and it's civic-spirited. And um, so that's how I've chosen to to kind of pour myself out in public service. That is wonderful. I love that. So what do you, you, know, you talked about how it's, it's a noble profession, which I certainly agree with. What do you think that people get wrong about judges or the judicial branch? Um, I think a lot of people view the courts as another political branch of government mm -hmm. that gets to impose their own personal view as we mentioned earlier, um, there are a lot of votes that I cast uh, that I wish could go the other way, but I feel duty-bound and honor-bound to vote the way I do. Um, there are a lot of laws that Congress passes, maybe a lot of regulations that the executive branch enacts that I think are really dumb, um, <laughs> that may be uh, just foolish or irrational, but it still may be constitutional. Mm -hmm. What they've done may be, may be silly, but it may be constitutional, perfectly legal. And I don't get to strike it down because I think it's silly. And you know, Justice Scalia used to joke that he ought to have a stamp on his desk where he can just stamp something dumb but constitutional. <laughs> yes. And. Uh, Sometimes there are cases like that. Um, um, but, you know, that's how the Constitution allocates power, is how it divides power. Lawmakers get to make laws. And judges, we simply decide whether the, the rules were followed correctly and whether the Constitution was offended in some way. And if not, then whatever Congress did, they get to do. Yep. All right, so as we wrap up this episode, what is the most important thing you want the kids to remember about the judicial branch? That judges like me, um, we don't have an agenda. We don't play favorites. We don't you know, put our finger on the scale to ensure that a preferred group or cause gets to win. Our singular exclusive duty is to the constitution um to making sure that this great charter of freedom 
is honored. I mean, our founders, they were imperfect, but they were inspired. Mm-hmm. And they gave us a really rich civic inheritance. And um, But at the bottom of all of that is this really profound truth, which is that power ultimately doesn't reside in judges like me. It doesn't reside in members of Congress. It doesn't even reside in the president. Ultimate sovereignty, ultimate power resides in the very first three words of the Constitution, we the people. It's not we the judges, and it's not we the politicians. Yeah. Um, it's we the people. And that was a radical notion back then that power is going to rest ultimately not in government, but in the governed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I want people to know that this incredible gift we have, you know, we live in the oldest Republican form of government on the planet. We have the oldest written national constitution on earth, but self-government is not self-perpetuating and it falls on each of us and every generation uh, to keep this thing alive and vigorous and strong. And those first three words, we the people, I mean, that is the, that's the secret sauce of what makes America so unique um, in the history of the world. And it falls on each of your listeners um, to do their share. Yep. The big responsibility. And I certainly appreciate everything that you are doing to uphold it. Thanks, Amelia. (laughs) That was such a great overview of what the judicial branch does. Interpreting the laws created by the legislative branch and making sure that everything is in line with the Constitution. And like Judge Willett said, it's really important for a good judge not to let their personal opinion come into the question. It's all about upholding the law, and that ultimate law is the Constitution. We can't wait to see you next time when we do the third branch of government, the executive branch, which you might know as the president. Can't wait to see you next time. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty, and they thought so we would be America, land of the free. This has been a presentation of the FCB Podcast Network, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbpodcasts.com.